How are we doing this morning? Good. And y'all sound awesome this morning. What a beautiful day it is for us to be able to, be able to gather together and to praise God, our God that is so worthy of that praise and deserving of it, a God that has done so much for us, redeemed us, and shown his grace to us continuously throughout our lives. Amen? Now, we have this couple of uh, announcements like we usually do, and initially I was planning on coming up here and doing my best Jeremy Folding impression for those announcements, but I came to two realizations. One, I do not have the eyebrows nor the forehead to pull that impression off. <laughs> and two, there's a good chance he may go back and rewatch this, and I don't want to get beat up. So, no Jeremy impression this morning, just Hunter, but we'll get through it together. So, getting into the announcements, the first up is we have study with the elders Tuesday night at 6 p.m. here at the Fellowship Hall. Um, this, I think this week is going to be the last one, but we do have, I think, something planned moving forward. This week it's going to be led by Glenn Franks, and the topic of discussion is challenges to the brotherhood. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been able to make one, Take these opportunities that we have. I think I'll probably speak for everybody, certainly myself included, uh, when I say that it's been such a blessing to be able to gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ and to grow, to learn, not just in knowledge, but in spirit as well, to sharpen each other. Now, there's a running joke that he may be trying to break the record that's held by me of two hours, but if you want to see a record break broken, just stick around today. You'll see. I kid, maybe. Uh, next up, we have 39ers meeting, Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. over here at the Fellowship Hall as well. Um, Miss Angela Guth, I'm not sure, but Miss Angela is going to be uh, presenting for us that day. She's the president of the Better Business Bureau, and she will have a presentation on scams. And then afterwards, lunch will be ham. So you'll have a presentation on scam and then eat ham. I'm sorry, that was bad even for me. <laughs> Please bring side dishes and desserts. Uh, next week, we have our annual Easter egg hunt. Um, if you haven't already, RSVP. And get with Sarah Gandy and Robin Franks to RSVP. Um, candy donations are deeply appreciated. Uh, if you have any donations, please put them in the front pews up here. And it's just a cool opportunity for these kids just to get together, to have a good time, and then also as an added benefit, us to get together as well, because that's what it's about. And then also, we have donations going on this week in support of Ukraine. Um, I don't think there needs to be, there's much that's needs to be said, but the reality is that there is, there are a lot of people that are suffering in that country right now. A lot of people are losing their lives, losing everything, losing family members. And it's not just people in Ukraine, it's people all across the nation. So we're taking an opportunity this week to collect donations for that. I think the deadline is next Sunday, April 10th. Um, but if you feel it in your heart, pray about it, think about it, and consider, do put those donations in the donation room in the back here um, in the purple tote. And just remember that just like Christ came not to be served, but to serve, that's the mindset we should have as well. And this is a great opportunity for us to do that. So consider it at least. And then lastly, we have a VBS sign-up sheet and it's on the back table. So if you'd like to be involved, and 
I think all of us have been benefited at least at some point in our life from a VBS, whether as a student or a teacher or just a helper. Let's take advantage of those opportunities as well so that we can be a light, most importantly, to the community like we're supposed to be. So that's all the announcements we have for today. We're going to get into the lesson. And as I'm sure, because we're all really smart here, we figured out what the topic is. The scariest word in the world. But what is that? What is the scariest word in the world? I'd be willing to bet that if I asked every single person in this auditorium this morning, what's the scariest word in the world? I'd probably get a different answer from each and every one of you. I think that's probably fair to think at least. But what is it? What is the singular scariest word in the world? Could it be death? That's a scary one. How about anger? War? That's one we can relate to right now at least. How about sin? Maybe hell. Now, all those words, they're scary in their own right, right? They all carry their own weight. But what if, I was, what if I were to tell you that it's possible that none of those words are actually the singular scariest word in the world? Would you believe that? Would you believe that it's possible there's a word out there that might strike fear into the hearts of all men when they hear it? So the question is, what is the singular scariest word in the world? Commitment, right? Commitment's a scary word. Now, I mean, I know maybe that's subjective. I get it. We could probably come up with anything, but I'd be willing to bet if you asked any of these young guys up here or a 20-year-old guy, what's the single scariest word in the world? Probably commitment. And I get it, it's kind of funny to think about that, but the reality is commitment is scary. It can be at least. Ask any bride-to-be or any soon-to-be husband-to-be, and I bet that they're probably feeling some sort of anxiety, some level of excitement slash fear, and a lot of that's probably due to the commitment and the reality and seriousness of that commitment that they're about to make. Or the commitment to a mother-in-law, I don't know. Don't look at me. I love my mother-in-law. I don't know about y'all. But ultimately, the truth is, commitment is oftentimes a scary thing. But why? Why is commitment so scary? What is it about the word commitment that can strike fear into our hearts and freak us out like no other word out there? Well, I think to kind of start getting a better understanding of why that is, I think we need to maybe break it down try to get a, a more basic understanding of it. So commitment, according to Oxford Dictionary, is a promise to do something or to behave in a particular way, a promise to support someone or something, the fact of committing yourself to somebody slash something, or to do doing something. So basically, you're all in. There's no halfway, there's no fence riding, You've committed to doing something, and there's little room for adjustment, if any. So when we read this word and we see it, we understand and we start to get the idea of how heavy it truly is, how serious this word actually is and the weight that it carries with it, how big it is and what it can truly mean. So I know we're sitting here now, and we get it, right? 
We got to be more committed in our marriages. We got to be committed in our relationships. To our friends. Yeah, we get it. We need to be committed to our jobs, right? And we understand we got to be committed to Jesus. Got to be committed to the Lord. We get that. But see, that's where things start to get scary. I feel that often, too often, we don't really consider how serious this word is. We don't consider what this word truly means. Especially when it comes to being committed to God. To following Christ. To being committed to His church. Our scripture reading this morning was from Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? But this, this, is, this is just metaphorical, right? This is just Jesus trying to prove a point, get a point across to us, right? Well, yeah, Jesus is trying to get a point across to us. See, right before this in Matthew, Jesus explains to his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem. And he explains to them that he will be persecuted and he will be killed. And then on the third day raised, and then he further explains to them that if anyone is to follow him, they will have to deny themselves, pick up their own cross, and follow him. This was not a joke to Jesus. This was not a game. See, Jesus was not looking for half-hearted fans, somebody that's going to you know, sit in the stands and, yeah, Jesus, we love you. No, instead, he's looking for true, committed followers, someone who is willing to deny themselves, put him first, commit themselves to him, pick up their cross and follow him. So the question is, where's your commitment? Is your commitment to yourself? Is your commitment to the world? How about wealth? Lust, relationships. But maybe you're not sold yet. Maybe you're not sold yet on the idea that Jesus is truly, really looking for committed followers. Well, lucky for us, there just so happens to be somebody that we can reference and read about and see exactly what kind of followers Jesus is looking for. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Mark 10, 17 through 31. <clears throat> and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. 
honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or, or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. <clears throat> See, it's easy to read this passage and assume that it's strictly talking about wealth and possessions and how bad it is. But if that's the message, if that's the only point that we get from this passage, we are missing the message. See, the problem wasn't that this man had possessions and wealth. The problem was that this man's commitment was to his possessions and to his wealth. See, I love the way that Mark describes this story. You can almost feel the sorrow that Jesus has for this man in verse 21. Because here's the thing, the man seemed, he seemed to want to be saved. He seemingly wanted to follow Christ. But Jesus knew that he lacked one thing. And Jesus knew that he would likely never give up his commitment to his things and truly commit himself to Christ. And in the end, the man walked away sorrowful. Your commitment cannot be to the world and to God. You can't serve two masters. We read that in Matthew 6, 24. Your commitment cannot be to yourself and to God. Don't be like this man that we read about in the story, not willing to truly commit yourself to Christ, truly commit yourself to God, and in the end, walk away from his sorrowful. So we're talking about commitment, and we're talking about how you can't be committed to the world, you can't be committed to yourself, your possessions, your wealth, everything. You got to be committed to God. But what is commitment? I mean, yeah, we have the understanding, we have the basic definition of it, but what is commitment? What is true commitment, true commitment to Christ? Well. I think Jesus makes it pretty plain for us in Luke 14, 25 through 27. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, this hate that Jesus is referring to here, this is not the typical hate that we like to throw around. We use today where we just, I hate this, I hate that. This, instead, this is a hate that is referring to how we should view others in comparison to how we should love God. God loved us so much, he loves us so much, that he wants us to love him in the same way that he loves us. We should love him so much that the love we have for everything else, our life, this world, wealth, children, family, friends, we should love him so much that the love we have for those things pales in comparison. Because after all, we know we're still supposed to love each other. We're told throughout Scripture that. But our primary love and focus has to be to God. Because this is how committed we should be to God. See, we're fortunate in the U.S., right? We, we understand this. We've had several missionaries come recently and show us exactly what it's like for Christians all across the world. What Christianity in the world is like today. How it has been for many, many years. The things that they have to give up and sacrifice in order to follow Jesus. Family. Relationships. Wealth. Health. Jobs, and oftentimes, even their own life. See, we're fortunate here. Most people in the U.S., most people, even in this church building right now, will never have to turn their backs on their own family in order to follow Christ. But all across the world, many do. That's what commitment to Christ is. It is about self-denial and absolute surrender. After all, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jeremy likes to remind us a lot that back then, they likely understood what that actually meant. See, oftentimes today we look at it and we say, okay, that just, it's referring to the burdens we had to bear in order to be a Christian. And that's true. That is true. But back then, they also understood that bearing your own cross likely meant that you had to be willing to die in the name of Christ to follow him. But relationships go two ways, right? It's a two-way street. It's give and take. I mean, after all, if I'm supposed to submit myself to Christ, if I'm supposed to commit myself fully to God, and truly live for him, what's he done for me? If I'm supposed to follow Christ wholeheartedly and let his light shine through me, put away the things of my past, not commit myself to the world and live for him, why should I? What has he done for me? Romans 5.8. 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's already given a full commitment to us. It was done long ago. And he paid it with the death of his son. See, commitment is not about earthly reward. It's not about health and wealth. I mean, after all, we're promised the exact opposite, right? We're promised that we'll likely face persecution. We'll likely be hated by many because we follow Christ. Instead, commitment is about understanding that our promise and our reward does not lie here on earth. Our promise and reward is far greater than that. It lies with God in heaven, in eternity. So the question that we need to ask ourselves today is simple. We need to ask ourselves this today, tomorrow, and every day of our life. Where is my commitment? Maybe you've already committed yourself to God and to following Christ, and if so, that's awesome. That's good. Continue to pick up your cross and follow him and encourage others as they seek him. But if you haven't committed yourself to Christ, why not? Commit yourself to him and seek the eternal life that is only available through him. Believe in him and trust him. Put him on in baptism and join his church. Join a church that wants to support and encourage you through your walk. Put your old self to death. Put it behind you and realize that we have a risen Savior that loves us and has redeemed us. Serve him and serve others because that's what commitment is. So if you have any needs today, whether it be prayers and support from the church, or maybe you want to put him on in baptism, you realize that you're ready to commit yourself to him. And you want to live for him moving forward. Whatever it may be, if you have needs, come forward. Allow us to support and encourage you along the way as we stand and as we sing.